0: You need life insurance to protect your dependents and your loved ones. It's not for you. A hundred percent. Hi, my name is Alyssa, and my name is Bridget, and you're listening to Money Feels, the podcast where we tackle perhaps the most controversial money topic, but only if you're a life insurance salesperson.
1: <laughs> That's so accurate. <laughs>
0: I always get so many angry comments anytime I talk about this, and then I go to their profile and I realize very quickly that they're a salesperson, and that's why they're so passionate about it.
1: A hundred percent. The only people that are going to push back against this episode are
0: whole life insurance salespeople. Yes, and we'll get into why that is um, later on in the episode, but how does your money feel today? Pretty good. I I haven't spent any yet, so that's got to be a good day. That's true. I also haven't spent any money yet today. It's because we're recording early. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I paid off all my credit cards this morning, though, and that always is just the best feeling.
1: Oh, good for you. I never pay all of them off at once. but I always think that is so strange. I still don't understand why you do that. I don't know. Just a weirdo. <laughs> Everyone lets it go. I pay them off, like, in not all at once, just at different times.
0: Oh, at the end of the month, I clear all of the balances.
1: Even though they have different statement dates, yeah, oh no i I just try to pay it off before the statement date, and then it's or before the the due date or whatever,
0: but that's too much to remember. It's better to just do it all in one swing and not worry about the statement dates who looks oh, at yeah their, who looks at their credit card statements in full. <laughs> me to be shocked by what I was doing. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, so where should we start today? We're going to be talking about life insurance, more specifically the difference between term and whole, and then also a little bit about universal as well.
1: Yeah, fundamentally this is a conversation between term, and permanent insurance, because both whole and universal are types of permanent insurance. And why I think this is such an important topic, and I think this was one you said was requested yes, by it was. our followers, is because insurance is one of those financial products that you do need, that you should have, but it's very, very easy to get scammed into a version of it that is not good for you. And can, I think, cause serious damage to the rest of your finances if you get roped into one of these bad policies
0: yeah so let's restart there like how is that possible like what is a bad policy because I think right away we're thinking like there can't be a bad policy I need something to protect my family and my loved ones in case I pass away so how would anyone possibly be trying to take advantage of me for doing the right thing
1: Because it's the financial industry. (laughs) Everyone is trying to take advantage of you. That's how it works. But we'll go... We'll start with the basics. So mm-hmm. there's essentially two types of life insurance. We're not going to be talking about critical illness and disability and all the other kinds of insurance in this episode. This is just an episode of life insurance for which there are two types. There's term life insurance and permanent life insurance. And whole life, which is the most common one, is a type of permanent insurance. So it's universal life insurance. I, and we were talking before this episode, no one seems to get universal life insurance. So we'll mostly be talking about term and whole life. Mm-hmm. Term life insurance is a pure insurance product. It's just life insurance. You pay premiums for a term, 10, 15, 20, usually up to 25 years. And as a result, you have insurance coverage, which means your family or the beneficiaries that you designate would get a tax-free cash benefit in the event of your death. There's nothing else. It's just term insurance is a cash benefit for your family when you die. Whole Life or other permanent insurance products offer that insurance benefit. So you are getting the insurance coverage with a tax-free benefit to your family. But Whole Life and Universal Policies have an investment component built into it. And this is where people get tricked into something they need. So everyone needs insurance. Like everyone, if you have dependents of any kind that depend on your income, you need life insurance. If you have no dependents, you can maybe kind of skip it if you want. If you're super financially secure and independently wealthy, yeah, you also don't need it because they'll just get your assets. But for most people that have a spouse, children,
0: you need life insurance. And if you own a business. Why is that in particular if you own a business? I just feel like there's a lot of people that are involved in that. So it's just like another big piece of your life that you should have (laughs) covered. So
1: that you mean that your benefit should go to your
0: employees? It depends. Like if you have a business partner or like something else where your business is carrying a lot of debt, it could be helpful to have. Oh,
1: oh, I see what you mean. Yes. In that case. Yeah. Those are just, those are other, anyone that depends on your income or your ability to generate income is a sign that you need insurance. So term life insurance is great for that. Whole life or other permanent insurance products that have the investment component built in the insurance salesperson will tell you that you absolutely need this and it's mm-hmm. an excellent investment and and don't you care about like building wealth all rich people have whole life insurance that's like usually their their pitch and it has that two component thing. The challenge between these is, well, first term life insurance is super cheap. Premiums are very low. I have a term life insurance policy, I think for $500,000 and it costs me $25 a month. Yeah. Nick and
0: I combined pay less than $50 a month.
1: Yeah, like they're so cheap. This is why term life insurance is so good and why everyone should get it. Because you can kind of think of term life insurance as a very cheap emergency fund yes. for your family. Because if you were to pass away and you have a life insurance policy that's 500000 or $1 million or whatever amount, in the event of your death, your family gets that money completely tax-free. And when you think, how long would it take you to save and invest $500,000 or $1 million? Like... Your entire lifetime, or you can just pay twenty-five to fifty dollars a month, and your family has that emergency fund set up in the event of your death. In terms of whole life, um, because it has that investment component as part of it, the premiums are very, very high. It's not uncommon. Well, it depends on the amount of coverage that you're getting, but it's not uncommon to see whole life policy premiums that are hundreds of dollars per month, and. The reason for that is you're paying for both the insurance coverage and you're investing in this tax-free growth component of it. And the difference also between these two policies that hang some people up, but you don't really have to, it's not as big of a deal as people think, is your term policy obviously expires at the end of the term. Once your term policy is up, and like I said, these usually range from 10 to 25 years, you don't have insurance coverage after that unless you renew or get a new policy, and obviously as you age, the premiums increase, but you do eventually run out of insurance when you have a term policy. Whole and universal life insurance are permanent life insurance policies, which mean you have coverage forever. Your family will always get a payout when you die because you're insured for the entirety of your life. The thing is, do you need insurance for the entirety of your life? You actually don't. And I think that's what confuses people. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, what about when I'm 70 and I die and I don't have insurance? It's like, why does your, fa- are you earning income at 70? Like, what are you protecting mm-hmm. at that point? So you have to be reasonable about what exactly you're insuring. You're trying to insure your income for your family. And, you don't. You don't need to insure income in old age.
0: Yeah, like I think if you're looking for an investment, that's not the purpose of insurance. It's not
1: for middle class earners, and I think here's where the divide comes because when these insurance salesperson people are coming to you and saying whole life is a tool used by the wealthy to protect, and grow their wealth. That is 100% true. But the wealthy aren't wealthy because they bought whole life insurance. They, (laughs) They bought whole life insurance because they're already wealthy and looking for a tax shelter. This is the thing where there's no financial product you can buy that will make you jump a socioeconomic class, right? At the end of the day, the only ways, as I've said before on other episodes, to come into wealth is to earn it, to marry it, or to inherit it. It's it's not buy a whole life insurance policy.
0: (laughs) Incredible.
1: (laughs) So yeah, that they're going to tell you that it is an investment vehicle, and that's absolutely true. But the fact of the matter is, if and this is what I tell people, if your individual income, so not household, your individual income is less than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, so we're talking about the ninety nine percent. You do not need. A whole life insurance policy. The best vehicles for you to invest in are your TFSA and RSP and your children's RESPs. You just need a term policy, put all your money into those other tax shelters. Once your income is over $250,000, you've run out of RRSP room. You actually ran out of RSP room at about $171,000. Good chance you fully maxed out your TFSA because let's be real, your income is $250,000. I wonder what you're doing if you're not maxing out your TFSA. And at that point, you may be looking for additional savings and tax shelters, particularly if you want to maintain your same lifestyle in retirement. The TFSA and RSP aren't going to do it. You do actually need other investment vehicles. And in that case, whole life insurance policies can make sense. But again, I'm only speaking to 1% of income earners when it comes to that.
0: Yeah, and it when people ask, like, is it a good investment? There is an average rate of return for whole life insurance in Canada is 3.5%.
1: Yeah, it's not a good investment in terms of its return because the benefit of a whole life insurance policy actually isn't the investment return. Mm-hmm. It's the tax shelter. That's why wealthy people purchase it because if you're in a tax bracket where you're paying... 40, 50%. Yeah, if something earns 3.5%, you don't really care because your savings is 40 or 50% in the tax shelter. So that's the benefit of it. If you're not in that tax bracket, then yeah, you have to care a lot more about the investment return. And I'm actually glad that you brought that up and we're having this discussion because one of the reasons that I think the whole life insurance policy discussion just won't die is because boomers love whole life insurance. Oh, yeah. They're upset. They buy it for their kids. They think it's great. And that sounds crazy. Like, we never know why boomers do anything, but there is a reason why they do this. And it's because they grew up at a time before the TFSA mm-hmm. was in place. The tax free mm-hmm. savings account didn't appear until 2009. So, Canadians did not have a tax free investment account. Like, there was the registered retirement savings plan, but that. Re- required earned income, and things like that. You, We didn't have the TFSA, but once the TFSA became available to Canadians, and suddenly everyone had access to a completely tax-free investment vehicle, I think it negated the need for whole life insurance for all middle-class earners. And by this measure, you have to think like, should I be spending $500 a month on a whole life insurance policy? Or should I buy a cheap term policy and put my $500 a month into my TFSA? That's the correct answer.
0: Yeah. And I will be completely transparent here. My parents did the whole life insurance (laughs) policy thing. Um, they are boomers. So makes sense. Boomers
1: do. They didn't have TFSAs. Can we (laughs) blame them? No. And I think
0: like, I honestly think they thought they were doing the right thing. Um, And at the end of realizing we don't need this anymore, we did the whole cash surrender value for all of the (laughs) children, and that was our wedding gift or our honeymoon gift. Oh, that's nice. So it was like an option for parents to give financial gifts to their children. Um, Was it a large amount? No. Mm -hmm. Because after canceling and opting out, you pay a bunch of fees and because the rate of return isn't very high. It's now lower than what some GICs offer. (laughs) Um, It was, it was like, obviously it was a wonderful gift, but yeah, it's just not going to, that's not the purpose.
1: Right, and I'm sure that they got that policy. Did they take it out when you were born? Yes. So again, they took it out at a time before the TFSA existed, before other tax shelters existed. I think now that we have, These new accounts that are better, like even now we have the first home savings account, these are the places you should be putting your money before you ever consider a whole life policy. But yeah, decades ago, we did not have these additional accounts. So there was a little bit more incentive for these alternative investments. Not because of their returns, but because of the tax shelter that they offered. However, I think the language and the storylines that these insurance salespeople are spinning is they're still acting like it's 2007 and you don't have a a TFSA. So they're like, don't you want your money to grow tax-free? And everyone's like, yeah, I do. And they're going to be like, okay, get this whole life insurance policy when really it's like your TFSA can do so much better for you.
0: Yeah, I think like the only other time other than like if you've maxed out your RSP and your TFSA and you want to take advantage of, again, like you said, another tax sheltered investment vehicle, um, if you have someone that in your life, like a dependent with a disability that is a permanent person you are going Mm -hmm. to be caring for, then that's the only outside of financial reason you may consider a whole life insurance policy
1: that's true that's a that's a very good point that's a reason why you would need permanent life insurance
0: but again it's always considering your dependents and your financial responsibilities first
1: yeah because what's also interesting about insurance and what I think people don't conceptualize, especially when you're young and you don't have very many assets, is you will age and hopefully have lots of assets yes. later. And so your need for insurance is very high when you're young, like late 20s, 30s, 40s, when your kids are small, when you're still pretty early in your career, when you're carrying a mortgage, when you haven't amassed a lot for retirement. Your need for insurance is super Super high, because if you were to pass away, all the people that depend on your income for those things are going to be left in in a lurch if you 're gone. But as you age, once you go into your fifties and sixties, especially when you're very near at retirement, your need for insurance. <laughs> is very low, because the hope is that you've amassed enough assets to sustain your lifestyle until your death anyway. So if your death happens at age 63, like your partner shouldn't be destitute, because you should have been saving and investing your entire life. So a lot of people are talked out of term life policies that have, I don't know, 10, 15, 25-year terms by insurance people that say, oh, well, when this term policy expires, then you'll have no insurance. But if you're 71 years old, um, no one's depending on your income anymore. It should be your assets at that point.
0: And like on that note too, I also, if you do get um, term life insurance with PolicyMe, they do have a guaranteed renewal. So regardless of health issues that you may have incurred like during that 10 to 15-year period, you still have that renewal option. It'll be at a higher price point, but it's still there. Oh, I didn't know they did that. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, so there's a lot of benefits to term life insurance. Um, Like, same. they have living benefits, so in case of severe illness, you have ability to access that death benefit as well.
1: Yeah, there is a lot of flexibility with insurance products. And even if you're kind of on the fence and you're not really sure, like maybe someone listening to this podcast is earning like $200,000 per year. And they're like, well, I think my salary is going to go up and then I'm going to be in that bracket where maybe whole life makes sense or my TFSA is always maxed out. There's also an option to get Uh, term policies that can convert to whole life policies later. So if you are kind of on the cusp and you're not really sure if you should have a term or a whole life policy because you're a high income earner, inspecting that income to grow up, you're kind of running up against the limits of your TFSA and your RSP, you can also get a term life policy that can convert to a whole life uh, later, if that makes sense for you.
0: Yeah, they're more affordable and they're way more flexible than permanent policies.
1: Yeah, permanent policies have no flexibility. <laughs> we should actually talk about that because that's one of the hazards of them. And I think what um, really harms people, once you commit to a permanent life insurance policy, you have to pay the premiums. For whole life policies, those premiums are fixed and very high. For universal life insurance premiums, there there is a little bit of flexibility in them, but they can also just like ask you for more money, which is a bit stressful. Um, but whole life insurance policies, you do commit for a pretty long time, say like 20 years, that you'll pay this large amount into the insurance policy that will be hundreds or even thousands of dollars per month. And you cannot miss a payment. If you do miss a payment, mm-hmm. you have a very short window to catch up on it. And if you do decide to stop paying, often the cash surrender value is very low until about year like 15 out of 20. So you're at risk of losing all of that money that you put into it. And um, then you run into the issue too that if you want to get insurance coverage, again, you'll have to reapply. And I think a lot of people that take out these whole life policies that are sold to them really aggressively when it doesn't make sense for their income or financial needs, they find the premiums so expensive to keep up with. Like if you sign up for a whole life policy that's $600 a month, which is not an uncommon Amount Maybe you pay it for like the first three or four months, but then by like month five and six, you're realizing like, oh, shoot, I'm really running out of money to put towards my other financial goals. And you have 20 more years of that. And so these are the people that usually they can't keep up with the payments. Um, They end up losing all the money they put into the policy and also their insurance coverage lapses and then they have to go get term life insurance instead, except now they're down thousands of dollars that they sank into a bad whole life policy.
0: Yeah. And to be honest, it's like more than 15 years. I think it's like 20 plus years until the cash value really starts to grow.
1: Yeah. Well, until it's something, it's basically nothing for like the first five years, which is shocking because you can put tens of thousand dollars in and your cash surrender value is like seven hundred bucks.
0: You take yeah. it out before you're five, and there's and there's major penalties to that withdrawal, like you kind of mentioned.
1: Yeah, it's they're really they're they're products for a very specific situation, and if that's not your situation, they will do more harm to you financially than good.
0: Yes, which is why it's like so frustrating when people are really trying to push it because it's not just a. A, or B option, and both are good outcomes.
1: Right. Yeah, because normally I think we offer a lot of flexibility on like what you're trying to choose. We're like, oh, TFSA is this, RSP is this, you can pay off your debt this way or do this, you can rent or you can get a mortgage. But with insurance, we're like, no, you probably need term life insurance and should just stay as far away from whole life as possible.
0: Yeah, like if you're an average Canadian, that's what you need. Yes, and I'm gonna guess that 99% of our <laughs> listeners are average Canadians. <laughs> Might be a little bit lower, but
1: yeah, I think I've surveyed my followers before and there's a there's a big I say like 10% or 1%ers, which is really interesting.
0: Yeah. So if you're a high earner and you're seeking tax-deferred savings options, whole life insurance could be a good option.
1: It could, and even in those situations, I would say it's not. Necessary, um, and you should go over it with both an accountant, a financial advisor, and also different financial advisors than the one that's selling you the product. Because uh, I recently went through all this process and was exploring whole life insurance for myself. And I got two accountants and two financial advisors. One financial advisor was selling me the insurance, and then an external financial advisor and two accountants to like go over all the stuff for me. And I consider myself a very financially literate person. And i even I almost got roped into additional add-ons that I didn't need. And it was only after I spent literally like two weeks in speaking, uh, an accountant caught it for me, actually. He's like, you know what? Like this part you don't actually need. You should just say no to that and save me like eight grand a year.
0: Wow. Yeah. So what, I mean, you don't have to share, I guess, but why are you switching? Are considering the switch,
1: so I'm not switching. I'm keeping my term life insurance, and I've actually added on—I um, think two more term life insurance policies as well—that can convert to a whole life policy. And we put the whole life policy in because um, I've run out of those tax shelters for right. retirement, especially the RSP. Uh, and I never thought I'd get to a position where my RSP was fully maxed out plus. All the back room, but I I ran into that wall, and because my income has grown so much, and I can't accrue any more RSP room, I do have like TFSA room, but I've started to amass a lot of cash assets inside of my corporation, and for business owners, your corporation can be your it will likely be one of your largest retirement accounts if not like the biggest part of your retirement and that's already become true for me and the thing is um what you can do is your corporation can hold the whole life insurance policy gotcha. for you so then the premiums become a business expense but the tax free benefit is still uh personal benefit. So it adds a layer where it's a little bit more optimal. And again, maybe that's an advantage for me versus someone that's not a business owner is maybe just a high salaried employee. Um, It doesn't have enough uh, of the same payoff as it does. But in terms of me and trying to minimize my corporate income taxes, as well as my personal income taxes, holding a whole life policy within my corporation makes sense. And so yeah, we just did one and then Two term policies that can later convert to whole policies with the intention that if my income continues to grow and I do need additional tax sheltered room, I can convert those term policies into more whole life policies. But I will say, like, even signing up for the whole life policy is like did send some anxiety into me, like just understanding what I'm evaluating because the premiums are more than my mortgage. Like, it's very wow. significant. But at the end of the day, the policy is also worth more than my house. So that's kind yeah. of how it works. But you do have to be very cognizant where it's like, do I, can I pay this for 20 years and also maintain my other bills for 20 years? But I think um, just because the income that I'm at and the advisors that I deal with were a little bit better than some of those spammy ones that you see on TikTok. Like if if anyone's working, I don't want to say names because we're really trying to not get sued on the podcast, but (laughs) there's lots of insurance brands or financial groups out there. I'll just say financial groups um, (laughs) (laughs) that sell insurance products and the insurance salesmen or salespeople, sorry, gender neutral, are pushing these products on TikTok and they're not caring about your income. They're not caring about your career trajectory. They're not looking at any of that. And They'll just give you this product without taking all that into account. I felt like the person, the financial advisor that I was dealing with, was very pragmatic, where he took a look at the investments that I had in my corporation. And he's like, let's use the income that these investments produce to pay the premiums on your life insurance policy. And right there, that takes all the risk Essentially out of the equation, right? Like, I'm not, I don't even have to earn the income to maintain this insurance policy. It's being, the premiums are being paid by the investments I already have in the corporation. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think general sales people would do that for their clientele because yeah he because we talked about all these different ones and i'm like oh well do you think i need more and he's like i really want to keep it under like this amount for you but if you increase your income later we can convert these two so i wasn't getting aggressively pushed i wasn't getting sold anything that i couldn't maintain payments on for the next two decades so i felt it was uh much more secure and reasonable thing than what I see pushed on people because it's you're in a completely different position when you're pledging your income your future unearned income yes. to servicing a whole life insurance policy right like i'm servicing a whole life policy with investment assets that already exist if i had to service an expensive policy that required me to earn the amount to pay those premiums, that would be a totally different equation.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, listening to all of this was a reassurance, and I'm sure for a lot of other people, like, I cannot relate. (laughs) Not a bad thing. I'm just saying like it's like okay, I don't I'm not at this level where I need to make like really complex decisions like this. And that's just right there, like enough for me to know that term insurance is the way to go. <laughs> like if you are not thinking, like, are my investments gonna pay for this? Like, you know, it's just it's okay to just get the more flexible policy. And also it was a reminder that yes. Even the term insurance is a better option just for that flexibility sake because you don't know. Maybe you will get to that level one day, yeah. but for now you're not there. So what's the urgency to lock down this policy if you do not know?
1: Yeah, there's no urgency. And I can't say enough good about term policies. And that's why I now have so many of them. Um, But I do because I do harp on whole life insurance all the time. And I don't want to sound like a hypocrite now that I have one. But the circumstances have just changed so dramatically in a way that made it a good idea. But the only reason it's a good idea is because the premiums can be funded by the passive income of assets that already exist. And I think that like you don't have to quite be at that level, but I think that's a good way to determine whether or not you can afford it because you never want to get – again, you never want to get into a position where you cannot pay the premiums because the insurance coverage lapses and you lose all that money – That you put into it. Like the cash surrender value is atrocious for, (laughs) like I said, first 15 years. It's garbage. So you have to really have a plan of how am I going to keep up with these premiums? And your plan cannot be, well, I think I'm going to get a raise next year.
0: I was just going to say that. Like, I think this is another one of those scenarios where we're trying to predict what's going to happen financially, and that's just not possible. And your insurance salesperson cannot do that. Yeah. Like they cannot predict where your income is going to go. They can do trajectories and we can look at that and maybe this will happen, but no one knows what's actually going to happen. So, making the more responsible decision is sometimes the best option. And I think like there are good salespeople out there and you can find a good life insurance salesperson. Like, no one's denying that. But you do have to be very cautious of whether they're pushing and selling more than they are thinking about like the realities of your financial situation.
1: Yeah. Because, it, it totally depends on, again, what you're trying to get out of your money. And the thing that a lot of these insurance salespeople push with these whole life policies, especially trying to encourage you to take one out for your children, is they're like, you can borrow against it. You can borrow against the cash value. And everyone seems to think this is a great idea because they're like, oh my God, it makes it into an asset. But Then you have to pay interest, which is not a great rate because it's set by the insurance company. You have to pay interest to access your own money. Again, Mm -hmm. this is way worse off than if you had just stuck that in a TFSA and could access the amount you need at any time. Like, borrowing against an asset is not – that's not ideal. Paying to access your money is not good. The only time these policies make sense, again, is – because of the tax sheltering that they offer if you're in a position that you genuinely need that type of tax shelter that's the benefit. All these other perks, the investment growth, an asset you can borrow against, all of that is
0: nonsense. That's not the purpose of them. It's I was just going to say, like we're talking so much about investing. This is about life insurance. It's like <laughs> this is this is exactly the key point is like you need life insurance to protect your dependents and your loved ones. It's not for you. You're not getting life insurance for yourself. You're getting it for the people in your life. You will never benefit from your life insurance. That's not the point. Exactly. It's to protect your income for other people that depend on it. That's the purpose
1: of life insurance. And that's what you should be getting it for. And there are a lot of people, you know, I spend a lot of time in the fat fire Reddit. Mm-hmm. A lot of those people do not have any kind of permanent insurance products. And these are people with net worths 8, 10, 15 million. So that just goes to show there is a, there are scenarios where it's not a fit. Uh, term life insurance is a fit for everyone even even if you are also fit for a whole policy, like I said, I still have multiple term life insurance policies because it makes sense. And the reason, because now people are going to be like, why do you have so many? <laughs> um, I think I have like three. But the reason is um, right now I'm still young. I'm early in my career. I'm still in my 30s. And I have a six-year-old child who mm-hmm. is counting on my income for the next I mean, basically twelve years, but I would say like twenty years yeah. that she would have, and so that's what I'm thinking. As she ages, a lot of those term policies are going to expire, or I can just stop paying on them. If you don't need a term life insurance policy anymore, you can just stop paying the premiums, yeah. and you lose the insurance policy. But if you don't need the coverage, that's fine. And so that's the other thing that's great about term life insurance, because yeah, if I'm thinking what. Do I need to provide my daughter to ensure she has the lifestyle we have forever? Uh, When she's small, that's a lot. When she's 18, it will be less. When she's 25 and she's out on her own and self sufficient, and maybe I've given her a cash gift or two, I won't need, I will let these policies expire or I will stop paying on them.
0: Yeah, that was actually just one thing that brought up a question in my mind is what if you're planning to have kids and you don't have that term life insurance policy yet? But the price will continue to increase because as you age, there's more risk. So would you recommend people consider getting a term life insurance policy? Like we're not life insurance experts here, but just like in general, would we recommend you get a life insurance policy before you have kids if that is a plan?
1: I don't think it matters too much. It is except based on your age. Like generally, the younger you are,
0: the cheaper yes. insurance will be. <laughs> That's why I'm asking.
1: But then there, you also run into the issue that if you take out a uh, term life insurance policy. Too young, then it runs out. Like if you right. take out a policy at 25, it runs out at 45, and then it's very expensive if you need to renew. Whereas if you take one out at 35 and it runs out at 55, you might not need to renew because of your insurance needs change. So you, I mean, you can explore it now. Like uh, I think you mentioned Policy Me, which we both use and love. Mm-hmm. I love Policy Me. They have a calculator on there where you can go put in all your stats, you're like, I'm this, I have no dependence, whatever. And it will give you a quote, it will even tell you if you need insurance or not. Even if it says you don't need it, you can still opt for it if you want. Um, I don't think that it's something you have to be super pressured and rushed into if no one's depending on your income. If you are already in like, a committed relationship, and you have a partner, but also if you want to have kids on your own, like that's okay. I'm pro yeah, kids. I'm pro kids on your own. But like, <laughs> let's hypothesize that you are in a relationship with someone. That's still someone that whose life would be disrupted by your income loss. So yes. you can get an insurance policy then. And what's great actually with policy me that you mentioned is, um, they cover. They give you children's coverage as well because we know everyone loves life insurance on their children. But they'll give you $10,000 of life insurance coverage on any child that you have or adopt. So you get that coverage automatically. But whether it makes a really big difference if you take out a life insurance policy at like 27 versus 31 I don't know. Like, I just applied for my multiple array of life insurance policies now at 37. And the term ones were still not expensive. Granted, I'm a healthy person. So I didn't have anything. But they were, even at 37, I was like, oh, these are not expensive at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess we just did last week's episode on optimizing your finances. And this is one of those times when you can just be good (laughs) enough.
1: Yeah, like if you if you think it's a good idea and the premiums won't disrupt your finances, do it and you can always layer it too, which is uh interesting and something worth considering because the first time I got life insurance was when I had my daughter cuz I was finally like, oh crap, I have someone else I need to take care of. And I had gotten just what I now consider a fairly small policy. I mm-hmm. think it's only for $500,000, but at the time, like I was just renting a two-bedroom apartment. We had a very like small life and then as my income has increased and now like we have a house and we have all these other things our needs have changed. So I didn't cancel or end that existing policy. I've just added other ones on it until I had the full comprehensive insurance coverage that I need. So there's nothing wrong. If you want some life insurance coverage now, you can go get a small policy. And then, yeah, if in five years your needs have changed, just go add another one out. They're cheap. It's term life insurance. <laughs> it's like 20
0: bucks a month. Get You can get four of them. It's no yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think all in all, I'm just hearing over and over again, like, there are so many more benefits to term life insurance than there are to whole life insurance for most of us, for the it's, majority of us.
1: It's the cheapest emergency fund you can yeah, buy. Yeah, truly. Like, like it's, I the, said
0: it's-, it's the emergency fund that none of us want to keep. Or like It's like a death fund. You <laughs> don't want to keep fund. that. It's like so, so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a necessity yeah you just have to think of it
1: in the terms like your family will be under so much stress and grief in the event that you die leaving them with a financial burden is not ideal the like the best scenario you can do for people is they don't have to worry about money so they can have that space to only grieve your loss
0: Yes. And I think those are some of the things to consider when you're thinking of how much coverage do I need? It's Mm -hmm. how old are you? How old are your dependents? If you have any, Um, what are your current savings and your liabilities? So like, do you have any debt that would need to be repaid and the annual expenses that your family needs to cover? Because maybe someone doesn't want to work, go back to work right after you pass away. Um, It'd be nice to have the choice to take some time away and be with your family.
1: Yeah, for sure. Cuz a lot of people try to do a calculation where they're like, "Oh, well my mortgage is this amount, so I just need that amount." But yeah, you have to really think about what are your family's expenses and how long do those need to be covered? And like we've been saying throughout uh this episode like if you're like if you're young, if you pass away in your 30s, your partner and kids were really expecting you to be around for another working earning a working income for another 30 years. Yeah. So that's a big big loss. So you have to think how much income is my partner or my children missing out on for 30 years. Whereas if you're you pass away at 60 and you're expecting to re- retire at 65, like the loss is not as significant. Mhm. Yeah. It really is weird to think about money that you will never use, huh?
0: (laughs) It it is. It is. But this is like almost for me, one of the parts of money that I would rather focus on more just because like that is the entire joy for money for me is providing for other people and buying for other people and gifting. And I think like this is possibly the best gift (laughs) you would ever give someone if, if the worst case scenario did happen.
1: Yeah, I think about that a lot because now with my daughter before, it was more just a logistic challenge that in the event of my death, like, um, who she would live with and things like that. But now, like, I would really want her to keep my home, like, the home that we live in. And so now that becomes a thing where it's like, oh, I can't leave a big mortgage for my (laughs) six-year-old.
0: Yeah, I think that should have maybe been the tagline is, like, you... It's the one purchase that you don't have to be feeling guilty about spending money on yourself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa, that's perfect.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but on that note, too, because you mentioned the mortgage for your daughter. um, A lot of people ask me often, do you need mortgage insurance on top of life insurance? Oh, my God, no. No. Yeah, that's the answer.
1: (laughs) That's an even bigger scam. I actually couldn't think if there was a bigger scam than whole life insurance, but you're right, mortgage insurance is it, (laughs) because that's um, a product that you actually buy, and your need for it goes down with every subsequent mortgage payment, but your premiums never go down. Never go down. So yeah, don't get the, the insurance offered with your mortgage get get home insurance but do not get the mortgage life insurance you can just get a term life insurance policy that's large enough that it could pay off your mortgage balance
0: if need be yes all right that's perfect that's all we needed to hear at the end of this episode is get term life insurance don't get this one life mortgage life insurance and you can consider whole life insurance or permanent life insurance based on your situation Yes, perfect.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Money Feels. You can subscribe to our podcast anywhere you listen. If you like this episode, we'd love and read every single one of your reviews, so please keep leaving them. And if you want more of us, you can join over 400 others on our Patreon for close friends access and bonus episodes.
0: You can follow us on Instagram at MixedUpMoneyForMe, at Bridgie Casey for Bridget, and at MoneyFeels Podcast, and we'll see you next time.